welcome to the JGUA Financial Commentary Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barron, and in this episode, we have a webinar presentation by Kelly Lewis and Todd Brost. In a lot of these podcasts, I've mentioned that our firm, JGUA, has webinars. These are supposed to be dynamic and interactive, and I encourage you to go to our website to sign up. We wanted to give an example of that, so one of our advisors, Kelly Lewis, breaks down the four quadrants of money mindsets, achievers, balancers, experiencers, and explorers. And then hockey coach, Olympic silver medalist, and senior advisor Todd Brost comments on how coaching and serving as a financial planner for these different types can take similar approaches. But first, a short disclaimer. The contents of this podcast are strictly for informational purposes only and nothing said should be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. Any strategies discussed may not be suitable for listeners specifically, and JGUA encourages consulting with your advisor before implementing any strategies to ensure they meet your individual objectives. While you're listening to this, I encourage you to think about what type of money mindset you fall into, and then find us on social media and tell us which one you are. more than one. The goal is to be 
open about being coached to minimize some aspects of one and utilize aspects of others that may together bring you to this beneficial mindset and relationship with money. And again, as we go through them, your goal today is to see if you can identify which one you might be. Um, so there's some of the coaching tips that Todd's come up with. So the first one we're going to talk about is achievers. So some of the key beliefs are that achievers tend to have a very wide focus on their finances and tend to forget the day-to-day minutia is just as important as well. They believe in a structured planning, but the planning is focused very broadly on long-term goals. And as long as they stick with the spirit of their plan, feel in sync with what their plan is. The positives here are that they'll focus on long-term planning, but concerns are that their broad scope of the plan may not be enough to get them where they need to be if they don't track it and they just set it and forget it. So with that in mind, Todd, what are some tips um, and some coaching ideas that you would have for working with achievers? I think with achievers, like you said, very focused on detail. Um, I think from a financial perspective, some of the things that would be great for this group would be, you know, the balance sheets, the cash flow analysis, um, sticking to and maintaining a budget. Um, meeting with this group on a, on a regular basis is going to be very, very important, as well as monitoring their success and their progress. Um, I think the one downfall and the, the one potential bump in the road for this group is is realizing that uh, either as an athlete or as a, as someone taking care of their finances, there are just things that are out of our control. There are just some things that happen that we've got no control over. All we can control is how we react to these these events. And I think um, in our line of work, some of these things we call triggering events, whether it's uh, a dip in the market, a death in the family, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a job loss. All of those things are, are totally out of our control. Uh, I think with a sports or a coaching comparison, in hockey, you, you can't control the referee, you can't control the quality of the ice, you can't control the crowd, or now, I guess during COVID, the lack of crowd. Um, but those are all things that are out of our control, yet we have to continue and, and fight through these. In, in sports, uh, when these events occur, maybe it's a, a good time for a timeout or, or calling an audible at the line of scrimmage, getting refocused, getting relaxed, and getting back on track. And now we're, we're through the, the short-term obstacles, and now we can continue to work towards our, our longer-term goals. Yeah, I think those are some great tips, Todd. Um, I, I like how you're talking about this. They tend to have a wide focus. So working with achievers, the focus would be to bring them in and narrow it down to help them actually reach their goals and set some goals. Right, exactly right. And that's where, you know, we talk about game film. And I was a big fan of that as a coach because you could get as specific and as detailed as you want. You could look at the opposing team and what they did as a group. You could look at the opposing team, break it down and see what they did individually, each player. You could look at your team, uh, what you were doing well, what you weren't doing well. You could look at yourself. You could look at your teammate. Maybe if your teammate made a mistake, you could see that on video and see the detail and say, 
wow, that saves me from making that same mistake in a, in a similar situation. So as a coach, I was a big fan of, of game film and, and breaking down plays and events into very small details so they could be understood at that level. So the next ones are balancers. So balancers tend to have a more narrow scope, focusing on the day-to-day and present planning, but still require that higher structure. So this is the broadest category. 47% of people fall into this category of balancers. So they have some goals worked out and have an idea of what they'd like to achieve. They just haven't yet worked out all the long-term details. So for instance, um, balancers may have a savings plan for retirement or education even, but they haven't really pulled everything together to form that overarching plan yet. It's still just out there. They haven't really focused in on doing that yet. So as far as their beliefs go, balancers tend to need that high structure still, just like the achievers do. But rather than focusing on the long-term goals like achievers, they focus on the little things, the day-to-day minutiae. Financial savings, uh, credit card bonuses, their credit score is a big one, and even getting a good deal in the moment are all very important beliefs to balancers. They like to have that control over their day-to-day financial wellness, but doing this can actually sometimes cause too much stress within their day-to-day lives as they focus on the little things and not too much on the long-term goals and needs. So that's where they may hit some snags in this situation. Uh, They also tend to meticulously and frequently track their finances. So they'll rely on a tight schedule and even make trade-offs of some expenses for other expenses each month during their financial plan. You don't see anything about planning for the long-term. Focusing too much on the present can actually hinder balances from reaching their future goals. So the positives here are that they're staying on track with their current financial situation and really monitoring that day-to-day so they know what's going on. Um, But again, that offset is that there's really very little long-term outlook. So with that in mind and knowing that these are kind of the opposite of achievers, Todd, what would be some thoughts about working with balancers? I, I think for this group, Kelly, probably, you know, uh, some rewards and, and some some things to say nice job for what they're doing in the short term. I think one of the points that really jumped out at me for this group was their aversion to risk. And, and as a coach, and, and sometimes when I ran some of my uh, hockey uh, teams and within a game, if I had a situation or a player similar to a balancer, maybe the game was close to being over. Maybe it's very lopsided in score one way or the other. And this would be a great opportunity when, as a coach, you could put these players in and say, you know, go have some fun. Take a chance. Go for it. Uh, we're, we're either way behind in this game or we're way ahead and it's close to being over. So. Um, the risk aversion is one point that, that really hit home with me on this group. The other thing was the credit card points and, and that being so important, uh, sort of a reward for, for shorter term accomplishments. As a coach, I was a big fan of this where we, whatever city we were in, there was always um, um, restaurants that wanted to be involved with the team and they would give me as a coach, you know, a, some passes or, or some coupons for, for free dinners. And I think 
for balancers, this is pretty important. They get rewarded for their accomplishments. Um, but I think as a coach and as a as an investment advisor for this group, like you said, the the longer term picture, the the longer term focus has to has to be uh, kept in mind. And I think as a coach, we need to feel a little bit of accountability for this group and and sometimes offer some constructive correction to this uh, to this group of balancers, just so we can keep that long term goal and that future. Um, I like the the rewards, and I think that balancers may tend to focus and and see the negative more often than they see the positive in their choices, as following their their budget and their finances day-to-day can actually get really overwhelming and stressful, and that working with a coach, you know, it would be our job to, to pull them back from that, and like you said, just go have some fun in the game. stage with three young kids of my own um, you just don't think that the cash flow can can support a small trip or a camping excursion when if it can that would be a huge reward and a huge pat on the back and it may go a really really long way for a balancer to stay focused and and continue on to uh, to achieving their goals yeah and that's a, that's a great point too Todd I, I like that that thought of setting not always just long-term goals, but short-term goals as well, because then they're getting these bigger rewards more often, and that can keep them focused on the long-term while still working in the short-term. The next one we'll be talking about are experiencers. These people tend to have a more narrow scope focus, um, but also have a lower structure requirement. So most people in this group have a budget or a plan to address some savings goals, but not both. The overarching beliefs of experiencers is really to live life to the fullest. Why save when you can spend? So while they may have finances in the back of their mind, they tend not to plan with it. It's just there. This mindset uh, tends to come with having more income. The experiencer doesn't have to worry about money as much because they have enough money already. And they also tend to be resilient and less emotionally affected by an unexpected financial situation. So they're able to be a little bit freer with their money because they have a little bit more of it. So because of that, they tend to put that planning on the back burner rather than bringing it to the forefront and working with it. Convenience and efficiency in regards to the planning and the use of their money is extremely important to experiencers. They don't want to spend their time keeping track of a day-to-day budget or planning for the long term, they would rather use the funds they get as it comes in to to spend it on their day-to-day quality of life. Some of the key behaviors of experiencers really include automation of their finances, which can actually lead to splurges. Automation allows like bills, uh, transfers, and investments to be done without close monitoring. It's more and more common in this day and age to set things up to be automated. Too much automation can actually be worrisome because too much automation will really lead to less monitoring, which can lead to splurges and living outside of your means. So if if this happens to an experiencer, they will rationalize that behavior 
changes to their financial situation. So while it's important for them to have automation and do that, it's not necessarily the best thing for them. How would you coach, Todd, the more loose mindsets on the spectrum of planning? I think uh, as a financial planner, this may be one of the more, more challenging groups um, just because they are celebrating after every game. So I think from, uh, from coaching and a, and a sports comparison, I'm going to bring up a name that, uh, that uh, will, will get some people involved for sure. But uh, during the, the NFL playoffs, uh, a guy by the name of Tom Brady, who I share an alumni with at, at the University of Michigan, I think he's one of the greatest ever, but so many of us uh, accomplish something or win a game, and uh, the immediate, I think, human nature is to celebrate. Let's enjoy it. Let's experience the, uh, the celebration. And the story about Tom Brady, most all NFL games are, are on Sunday, and when he was with the Patriots, they had their own plane after a game. Everyone's on the plane, maybe having some beverages. They won the game. There's some celebrating. They're looking forward to going home, being with friends, being with family. Monday's a day off. Tuesday, they go back to the field and start getting ready. Maybe Wednesday or Thursday, the vast majority of the players are getting focused about who they're going to play the following Sunday. Tom Brady actually has many times uh, been reported to be watching game film on the plane on Sunday afternoon after they just won a game based on who they're going to play the following Sunday. So that's kind of a, a neat uh, a neat comparison where I think experiencers aren't quite like that. They, they won the game. They want to enjoy it. They want to spend some money, and they've accomplished their very, very short-term goals now, and uh, let's have some fun. But I think as a coach, you have to keep this group very close, uh, closely monitored and uh, – Let's, uh, let's enjoy our successes periodically, but let's keep some longer goals in mind as well. Yeah, definitely. Which actually brings up a thought that probably, you know, I've seen a lot, and I don't know if this is the case with you, Todd, and your clients, but I've seen a lot of people really switch, do a complete 180 with um, what type of mindset they have during this pandemic because so much has changed. I've seen spenders go to savings because there's not really anything to do. And vice versa, savers are going to spending a lot of money on food because what else is there to do? Um, have you come across that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think for the most part, the, the pandemic has helped people's cash flow because you really, like you said, you're people that usually travel or vacation aren't being able to do that, uh, which definitely helps the, uh, the balance sheet for sure and the budgets, but the other the other part of that is the is the human interaction, and I think with a lot of my clients and, and prospects as well, um, they're just missing the the human interaction, and that uh, that like you said, uh, as a coach or as an advisor, we need to be very careful with and uh, and keep the focus on and stretch that focus out for a longer term.
they really like to be left alone. They they really exhibit no comprehensive financial planning behaviors. Um, and less than one percent of them are likely to create a comprehensive plan in the near future. So similar to experiencers, their income tends to be higher because they have more flexibility. So they're similar to experiencers, um, but even I think less focused than the experiencers have. They'll just kind of float from bill to bill without having any sort of strategic approach to their money management. So some of their key beliefs for explorers are that they're really laid back and relaxed. Um, they care much more about the quality of their life than the structure of it. So too many financial rules in place for explorers would actually inhibit their lives. So why be anxious about finances when everything is ultimately going to be okay in the long term? That's kind of the attitude that they take toward their finances. And while some flexibility and a lower structure is, is okay, it might reduce the day-to-day -day stress. The concern with explorers is that they may hit a financial situation that's extremely difficult to remedy. And they may even choose not to change their approach to finances, even as their life situation changes. Um, if they want no involvement at all, you know, how can you get them involved? So some of the key behaviors that explorers exhibit is that they tend not to work with financial services, coaches, or advisors. And if they do, they rarely engage. Uh, and they use their gut to make financial decisions. Their approach to new situations is quite practical. And they tend to use lists uh, versus automation or online tools or resources. So I would say that explorers are the loosest mindset and may be, in the end, the ones that need some coaching the most, but are also the least likely to seek it out. So, Todd, how would you approach coaching to somebody who wants minimal engagement, if any at all? And what can the explorers do if they have that tendency? What can they do to be more engaged with their financial planning? Yeah, I think this is a this is a really interesting group, and I think my comparison for this group of explorers is is sort of the superstar player. Uh, my background is in hockey, so the goat, uh, in my opinion, the greatest of all time was uh, was Wayne Gretzky. These type of athletes, they get into that zone, and like you said, they really rely on their gut. They're so natural, and when when these players always got interviewed, they the person conducting the interview always said, what were you thinking at this particular time? Or what went through your mind when you scored this goal? Or what were, what were, what were you thinking about? And they often get a blank look and they'll sort of say, well, I really wasn't thinking. And I get into the zone or I get into this groove. And that's when they're at their best. And, and as a coach or as a, as a financial advisor, Oftentimes, maybe you just have to leave them when they're in that zone and, and things are going very, very well. The other thing that Wayne Gretzky said, that when, when he played, everything seemed so slow and so easy. It was like he was up in the press box 200 feet above the ring. He could see exactly where the other 11 players were on the ice. He could see how much time he had. Everything seemed so easy. And to, to the rest of us, <laughs> that is sure not the case. So... I think this group is, they're, they're good until they're not good. Uh, things are going well, let's leave them. Uh, but I think as, as coaches or as advisors, 
this group would not make a good coach. Um, Wayne Gretzky actually tried to coach in the in the top level of hockey, and and he didn't have very good results because I think as a star athlete, if his team was losing by a goal, in his mind, it was gee whiz, I guess I've got to go score two for us to have some success. Uh, that's great if you can do it, but for the rest of us that couldn't. Uh, you had to buy into the team plan, and you had to buy into the team strategies and rules, and and hopefully as a team overcome that that and that one goal uh, deficit and get the the game winning goal. But uh, this is really an, an interesting group, and I think, like you said, they they play it with their gut and, and intuition. But I think we need to be on the sideline, ready to jump in uh, when it doesn't go as well as it, as they hope. Yeah, I really like that thought about um, there are really just some people who don't need that hands-on approach. And as advisors or coaches, you have to determine if that's the case. And while you work on the sidelines to make sure you're doing everything you can to help these explorers reach their goals, you're sort of taking the burden from them so that they can go live their life. Um while you're sort of in the background managing everything. And that's that's kind of what they would need, I think. Uh, that's a great point because, you know, most of the time you think of working with clients on a regular basis, but there, you know, there really are just some times where they, you need to step back and, and let them do live their life how they want while you're just taking charge of everything in the background. That's exactly it. And, and I think as a coach, this was really the toughest group to deal with because, like you said, when do you jump in? And a lot of these players were so gifted uh, naturally and, and that they sometimes cut corners, meaning they knew they had to score two goals for the team to win, so they cut some down on some of their defensive responsibilities. And as a coach, you need to know when to step in because the other players are saying, well, coach, why are you telling me I have to do this to get this result when this player is not doing that, but he's getting the same result, maybe even a better result. So this is a really interesting group. And like you said, I think our timing of when we need to jump in as an advisor or a coach and give guidance to this group is really important. Definitely. So those are the, the basics of the four groups here. While it's important to know how to be coachable, you also want to know how you can change and develop that healthy relationship with money. And it's important to be able to build that relationship with an advisor or even with yourself if you manage your own finances to become the best version of yourself that you can be and take the positive aspects of each of these categories and sort of merge them into what works best for you. But I definitely know that I, I lean toward a higher structure and I am one of those people who may monitor my own finances a little too closely. So, and, and after doing this presentation, maybe I will learn to pull back on that a little bit. Todd, what are your comments on your own? When you asked me sort of where I thought I was, I had a really tough time because some of the questions came into mind where you know, which quadrant did I used to be in? Which quadrant am I in now? Which quadrant would I like to be in? I think, you know, going back pre-kids, I was probably more of an experiencer where I wanted to travel, I wanted to spend, I wanted to live for the day, live for the moment. And then I think probably, and, and I think the balancer, uh, the demographic was a young family, I think 
I eventually moved into Balancer where I was risk averse and if I could get a free flight from a credit card, I was uh, over the moon happy. Um, and now, yeah, maybe a little bit more into the Achiever and, and even some of the Explorers. So it's really cool not only to see where you think you are, but where you've been and maybe where you'd like to get yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. And those are really great points is that you, you do change throughout your lifetime depending on what's important. You know, I thought it's very interesting because I would say when I was younger as well, I would just spend with, with no regard to, to debt or um, or long-term savings, and which is interesting because when they did this study, it showed that the explorers and experiencers were equally spread across all age ranges, and that it was the achievers and balancers that tended to skew under 30. Um, I would have thought it would have been the opposite. Uh, as I know, it's, it's hard to get those those 22-year-olds to start saving for a retirement that's 40-plus years away. It just seems so far. Pat, do you have any last uh, comments on, on coaching for these quadrants? Anything like this, when you can learn more about yourself and your role as a, as a, a family financial coach, uh, it's fantastic. And the more we can learn about our clients and, and maybe which quadrant they fit into will help us help them As always, if you have any questions or would like to set up an appointment to talk to an advisor, please email info at jgua.com and visit our website for additional content. Until next time, stay smart, everyone.